Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Going Deep with Aaron Watson. I've got a good one for you today. Mike Vacanti is a fitness entrepreneur, a strength coach, a writer, someone who is using content creation on the internet as a marketing funnel for his business. He quit his job as a CPA to pursue his passion of coaching people to be healthier, eat better, and get more fit. There is a ton of insight that you can get from his story. He is very real about the challenges and tribulations that he has faced and continues to face. We talk about imposter syndrome. We talk about finding your first client, a ton of valuable information in today's episode. For those of you out there wondering how to go about maybe taking those initial steps towards pursuing your adventure, he is going to lay out a pretty dynamite outline for how to make that happen. So without any further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Mike Vacanti. So, Mike, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I'm really excited to talk to you. Absolutely. I'm, I'm pumped to be here. There's a ton that we need to go over and, and that we can break down for the audience. But just to kind of to start things off, I want to give you the opportunity to just explain what you do to the listeners and uh, what you're doing kind of on a, on a day-to-day basis right now. Sure. So I'm a strength coach. On a day-to-day basis, I create things. I write, I make YouTube videos, I put content out to try to help people with fitness stuff. And for the majority of that people, that means getting leaner, losing some body fat, getting stronger, feeling better, and doing it in a way that is conducive to like a more quote unquote normal lifestyle, right? Not like a competitive bodybuilder or a competitive CrossFitter or someone who wants to be in the gym two hours a day, seven days a week, but someone who wants to achieve their goals as like a part of their life without making fitness their entire life. Absolutely. That's the biggest thing that struck me about your content is that it's really trying to make it attainable and reasonable for people where they have other priorities. They have family, work, all these other things that they're juggling. And it can be it seems like you think it can be intimidating for some of the people who are like, I'm in the I'm in the gym, you know, seven days a week, two hours every day, and I, you know, have every single meal planned and packaged out, and that just can kind of be too far away from the reality that a lot of people are facing. It's not even close to reality. And then you give them that plan, and on day three, their coworker at their new job or their boss wants to go to a happy hour, and you're not going to say no. You want to impress your boss, and you have two beers and a handful of peanuts or whatever, and you think you screwed up your plan on day three already, when really you didn't. You just had too restrictive a plan to begin with. That's a great point. We're going to break down a little bit more. Yeah, I'm just diving into like fitness stuff right off the bat. <laughs> no, no, that's that's great. We're, we're going to break down into that a little bit more later in the interview. Uh, but the real important story that I think needs to be told here is, is kind of one of, of almost personal transformation. Mm-hmm. And the story of how someone goes from being a corporate CPA, part of a big organization, to a fitness entrepreneur who's kind of doing it on their own, putting out fires trying to find ways to grow and and do all sorts of interesting stuff. So if we could go back and kind of start with the story of before you were this fitness entrepreneur, before you had your own YouTube channel and all these different platforms, 
what were you doing and kind of what were you thinking about or what was what was the dream maybe that pushed you towards a different path so i grew up in minnesota two like super hardworking parents went to wisconsin big 10 school and chose a major based on like it was 06 07 08 market crash I was interested in business because that's what my dad did, got into business school my junior year and picked accounting as a major because that was the safe and secure thing. And it was a big, scary world out there. And you go, you get this job and like there are a ton of jobs if you can get good grades in this major. And that's what I chose more out of fear of the unknown and out of like social pressure. I didn't know anyone who was just doing I didn't know anyone doing anything super unconventional or at least not very many people. And then there's the accolades of like my parents' friends are proud of the fact that I go and get a good job at this big four accounting firm and, and like those kinds of things. So I took this this auditing job out of college, 23 years old, and knew from the first day that I hated it, just didn't like corporate culture, uh, didn't like the type of work I was doing. Fairly, I've recently found out that I'm more introverted and work better alone. So like interacting with other humans in, in that capacity wasn't my most productive state. I just didn't love it. So to kind of rewind, a, like a, a parallel passion, you would call it, or just like obsession, interest, whatever, since I was 14, 15 years old, was fitness. I got involved in strength training for hockey when I was a freshman in high school because I was terrible at hockey and like the off season and weightlifting and plyos and shooting pucks was how I basically ended up making the team my senior year and going to the state tournament like to overcompensate for or to compensate for the lack of talent, I had to get involved in that. And then there's a like a body image slash every dude wants abs and big biceps, et cetera, look like superhero kind of like mentality of probably masking some insecurities and whatever else was involved there. So this whole time, I love fitness. Like I, I never I never once considered it as a job. I'm not really sure why. But through college, like I'm supposed to be studying accounting and I'm reading like bodybuilding.com forms and body recomposition and like take my electives or nutritional science courses because I'm, I'm just super into it, but I never considered it as a job at the time. And so fast forward, working this job, hate this job. I quit with two years, almost two years. Like I, I calculated out how much savings I have. All right, I'm going to quit. I'm going to try to do something on my own. I had no idea what that was at the time, but I, I literally just knew that I hated this job so much. This cannot be what my life is about. And I'm going to take a shot. And I don't know what that means. But if I screw up and if I fail, I'll go back with my tail between my legs. But right now, I'm young and single. And like, if I if I don't do this, I'm going to look back as a 40-year-old like businessman and regret not taking the shot. So I quit. If we could hit the pause there just real quick. I, I think that's a really big moment. And I, and I don't want to brush over it this decision to quit this decision to kind of reroute mm -hmm. if you could elaborate on was it was it something that you felt like you were kind of building towards or maybe it's, it sounds like you, you know you had these this two years uh worth of living expenses in the bank mm -hmm. that you'd built up so there, there was some kind of planning it's not like you just walked out one day right but was there was there like a straw that broke the camel's back or a tipping point or how would you describe those months or weeks leading up to when you decided to leave excitement because I had it on the calendar because it yes I it wasn't an irrational or an impulsive decision 
the second I got out of school, I was working to pay off my debt as soon as possible, my student loans, so that I could, like the little bit of student loans I had because my parents were very helpful with school, but like to get to the point where I could start saving so that I could quit. Like within three or four months, I was planning to not be there. Like I'm trying to think of a real straw that broke the camel's back. I had a, my college girlfriend, like long-term girlfriend, left me kind of during my first year at this new job. And so I was like sad and beat up about that, which turned into anger and fire and motivation, which was a really good thing in hindsight. Um, yeah. But I, I wasn't planning for the fitness stuff. I, I wasn't planning for the next thing. I was planning to be able to not be doing accounting. If that makes like I was literally just planning to quit and I didn't have any foresight as to what I would be doing. And so I was saving my paychecks back then. Internet poker was still illegal in the USA. So I would wake up at like 430, five o'clock in the morning and play online poker for two or three hours, like making a little bit of money on the side doing that and just not doing a lot, like not really going out, saving money, had several roommates. So I was saving on rent and, and really just like set on. I didn't have a date in mind, but I. It was a it was a gut feeling, a level of security that I needed enough money to to make the jump, and uh, and and then I did. Awesome. I think that's just so important for for people to hear that you know having that plan. I think that in a story like that where it can get brushed over, there's there's the idea that well he just decided he'd had enough and he walked out. No, this was this was rational. This was well planned. I think that that is very informative in terms of I'm sure once you left and we'll get into that you were stressed out about where where's the income going to come from and what am I doing next. But there is a degree of composure that you can have knowing that there is kind of a foundation there and giving you some wiggle room with which to work. Yeah, absolutely. Because if if I would have done it impulsively, say 12 months earlier, I I don't, I mean, I haven't run the numbers, but I might have been insolvent in the amount of time it took me to have a business that I was making money and like not losing money every single month. Absolutely. So, so walk us through a little bit of the steps you took now that you've left uh, the CPA position. Uh, what else were you experimenting with? How quickly did you decide that you wanted to build a fitness brand? And, and what did you have to learn kind of right off the bat? The first few weeks were just anxiety ridden is what it really was because I was – I got out of my downtown Minneapolis lease and I was living back at home with my parents to save money on rent. I didn't know what I should be doing, meaning I didn't know how to spend my time during the day. And so how I coped with that is I just worked out every day because that was the part of my workout or the part of my day, excuse me, where I didn't feel stressed. Like I would be in the gym because that's what I was focusing on. But when I wasn't there, I was very anxious. I, I was like trying to plan and I think I read a few business books. I knew I had to get a website up and running or at least my thought was that I had to do that. But for that month, month and a half, I was just incredibly anxious. And then I started writing and I had kind of always journaled in the past, but I started writing what turned out to be my first five or six, seven blog posts that I put up when I launched my website. But um, like one was about calorie counting. One was about one was like a motivation post about, you know, like a fight club-esque, we're all going to die, so you should do, like, just whatever was on my mind. It wasn't content to me. It wasn't like a business play. It was expression. And within six months, you know, I, I went on how to make a website. I Googled and I launched a free WordPress site, started putting content on it, those like first five or six posts. And then I made it public or live to the world in April of 2013. 
one of the other things that I hear when I talk with other young people who are like considering going out into this, not, not like fitness is like some small industry, but this alternative industry, something they didn't necessarily major in in college or, you know, have an official certificate designating that they're an expert in something is this kind of overcoming the idea of imposter syndrome and, and really recognizing, you know, I have a ton of good information. I can help people with the knowledge and wisdom that I've acquired through 10,000 hours or reading or however you want to calibrate that what what steps did you take or or how did you kind of get over that or deal with that is it something that you had to deal with and then tell us a little bit about how you got your first clients as a coach yeah so let's start with imposter syndrome because i don't know that that ever goes away that's something i still feel today that's something that i hear like people 1000 times more successful than me talk about like I don't know that that'll ever go away. As far as imposter syndrome specifically around not having a certificate at the time I launched my website was non-existent because I have I had and still have such a disrespect for certifications in the fitness industry. Like so many of them are just money-making machines. They're they're BS basically. Like you can literally log online right now and in 20 minutes pay $99 and have a fitness certificate that will that you can leverage to get a job in a commercial gym. So not having a cert. And then when I started training in person shortly after, I got a cert because you need a certification to get insurance. Like it's part of the process of training clients in the gym. But I would say literally 0.01% of my knowledge comes from formal certification. Informal certification, all of it, experience and reading are the two places where I've learned everything that I've learned, like experience uh, training myself over the years and experience training clients in the gym and experience working with clients online and everything I've read. Like that's where the knowledge comes from. But but yeah, I don't think imposter syndrome in general ever goes away. Like there's always someone smarter. There's always someone who knows more. And uh, and I think you just have to continue to read and try to get better every single day. Amen. So tell us about how you kind of got the business off the ground and found your first couple clients to coach? Sure. So I, what were like my very first steps? The The website was up. I, po- I posted on Facebook. I have this website now and a whole bunch of people went to it on that very first day. And I thought this is great. I actually timed it on my birthday so that I knew people would be coming to like my Facebook page for the happy birthday. Back then you couldn't just do it from your newsfeed. Like you had to go to the person's yeah. page. And so it got probably even more traffic than it should have, like 800 clicks. And, and I didn't see 800 page views again for like nine months. I don't even know how long it was. It was literally like four, five, nine, two readers per day as I'm posting content. I, I don't think I, I did amazing things early on. I was spammy on Twitter. Like like I followed a bunch of people who were interested in fitness to, to try to get a follow back, which isn't really a strategy I recommend at all now. And I, shortly after launching my blog, there was an internship opportunity posted in New York City. I was living in Chicago with a friend at the time and with John Romanello, who was like someone I looked up to in the fitness industry, just had a best-selling book. Uh, and he needed an unpaid intern to who was local in New York to help him with his book launch with the opportunity for a full-time job somewhere down the road, like if you do a good job at the internship. And so that, I mean, that was absolutely a turning point. I applied for that, got an interview the next day. It was like a Tuesday afternoon. I got an email from John's assistant, be in New York City, Soho, this coffee shop at 8 a.m. 
I booked a one-way ticket that day, flew out there, had a friend living in Harlem. I slept on his couch for the night and went to this interview on like two hours of sleep wearing a suit, just completely overdressed, like the accountant in me for this fitness internship. And, uh, and, and I got it. And I mailed out books for 10 hours a day for the first couple of weeks sitting in the U.S. post office and, and worked my way up. And I think I did pretty good work for him and, uh, and learned an insane amount from John about business and fitness. And so how, how I got my first client, I was introduced to a gym owner. My first full-time job in a gym came from an introduction through John uh, in New York. And that was where I started training clients full-time in person, like people who weren't my family or my friends, just training them on the side. Okay. So another part of this in terms of just finding more clients and reaching more people is the building of an online brand. You know, you, we've talked a couple times, you writing blog posts, uh, mentioned the YouTube channel as another way of just driving more eyes, uh, kind of aware that your business is, that you're open and, and doing business. Can you talk a little bit about how you came to realize that that had to be or should be a part of your strategy and how have you gone about prioritizing that within the context of the other things you're doing be it researching and and, you know building your knowledge base actually engaging and and going one-on-one with your clients how does that fit into the whole picture i mean it's enormous creating content i didn't like i said before i didn't have a business i just had things to say and i put them I put them in the form that came naturally at the time, which was writing. Now I'm putting, I'm, I'm trying to put helpful content in the places where people pay attention all the time. It's really hard for me to like chop up the pie of my day and say, this is how much time I spend interacting with clients versus researching versus creating content. Creating content and researching are two things that massively overlap because when I'm writing a blog post or, or when I'm vlogging or even when I'm answering client emails, that leads me down these research rabbit holes where I'll take an hour away from what I was doing and like deep dive on something because I need to get a specific question answered that I am not 100% sure on the answer to. But content's the game. And I don't even, at least my game, right? Like there's other, I'm not a good businessman, by the way. Like there are plenty of ways to grow a business. You can advertise, you can do influencer marketing type stuff, but putting good, helpful, free content in the places where people pay attention and like doing it every single day is how I have built an online brand. I, I literally, it's just not in my nature to hard sell. So I don't write like salesy emails ever. I just, I put tons of free stuff out and I offer a coaching service and people have just apply. And are you, you doing that both in person and online as well? Are you consulting with people exclusively digitally? It's all online right now. Yeah. i so I'm just wrapping up coaching for the last two years. I've been working with Gary Vaynerchuk in the gym and we had a, a two year contract and that's run its course. So I'm, he was my one in-person client every single day for, t- for the last two years. But other than him, yes, it's all online. Gotcha. So I, I got to ask one question about working with Gary V. Yeah. Can you tell us the story of how that business relationship came to be, how you got connected, and maybe just anything else that you've taken away from your time working with him. Yeah, absolutely. So how it came to be was John Romanello, who I moved to New York to work for, was Gary's previous personal trainer. And after John got married, he moved from New York to LA. Gary didn't have a trainer. And a few months 
of after not working out for a little while, Gary and Roman bumped into each other and, you know, talked and Gary said, I need to get back on it. I'm falling off. And Roman said, I got a guy for you. He's awesome. He's my, my guy in New York. And he introduced us. I woke up to a text one day from Roman saying, congrats, you just became Gary Vaynerchuk's new personal trainer. And did you have any idea who he was or anything about him oh, yeah. when you got that text? Yeah, okay. yeah. I, yes, I, I knew his content, like I'd consumed his content online. Okay. Uh, so in these two years, you're seeing each other basically every day for workouts. You're making sure he doesn't need any baked goods, <laughs> other things like that. What were you kind of absorbing or learning from him uh, in these daily interactions? And just to give a tiny bit more context, so we worked together for a couple months in a normal like trainer-client relationship. I see you a couple days a week. Client cancels once in a while to sometimes fairly often when you're as busy as a guy like Gary. Wasn't like the most successful initial run. And then six months after we had met and started working together in the gym, he pitched me on this idea of full-time, train me every single day, take care of all my food, drop all of your other in-person clients, travel with me, go on my business trips, go on my vacations. Like I want an all-in commitment to my health because he knew in his gut that he just wasn't executing there like he had to. And even though it hadn't fully caught up to him, no heart attack, like nothing bad, thank God it had happened to, to push him there. He just knew at the age of 39 that like, okay, I need to make this change. And going all in is the way that he handles those situations. So he hired me as his full-time guy. But it, so what was the question? What did I learn in the two years? Uh, yeah. What are, if, if someone asked you like maybe the most important thing that Gary taught you or the biggest takeaway or when, when you think of him, cause you've had, you know, he has this digital persona where people interact with him or see him through his shows and his books and things like that. But you're, you're seeing the person in real life on a regular basis. What, what lessons do you feel like you took away from just being business partners? Um, so there are a couple really big ones. The the first is like you know the cliche entrepreneurial the five people you spend the most time with etc. You're the average of them. Yep. He made that so true for me because he is such a positive person and such an optimistic person that being around him literally made me feel good about myself. Literally seeing him every day in the morning had a huge impact on my confidence and my self-belief and like my energy and, and my vibe and like everything. So that is something that I'm applying aggressively and have been, but, but going forward, just being very analytical about and like strategic about who I'm spending time with. So that's a big one. Just seeing his calendar, like he talks about the hustle and like working six to midnight and going all in and, and all of this. And now that he has a daily vlog, people are starting to understand it a little bit more. But prior to that, people just didn't have like they heard hustle and they thought, yeah, and I work hard. But when I got in there and I saw his calendar for the first time and I saw from 6 a.m. to midnight, like every 15 minutes is accounted for. I realized that I was lying to myself about how hard I worked. I realized that like a single human being is capable of doing so much and accomplishing so much more than I thought. And so it, it raised the bar there with how much output I had, like how many things I could do in a day. I hear you. And I think another thing when we talk about that average of the five people you're spending your time with, there's also that little bit of competitiveness that I think we all have. And you see someone who you get, if you ever get that feeling that they're out hustling, you're out working, you kind of helps you raise your game just because you, I want to, I want to 
hang with them. I don't want to be outworked or outdone. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, we'll start wrapping up here in a little bit, but I want to make sure that we address what you're doing now. You mentioned that you've moved to exclusively coaching people online digitally. Um, how are you going about doing that? Like, how are you interacting with your clients? And what challenges have you faced in having these interactions on a, an exclusively digital level? Um, so how I go about it, I'm bad at the two questions, by the way, man. When you give, when you give them to me two I'm at sorry. a time, I forget the second one every time. That's You can just remind me. Um, how I'm going about it is, is short-term memory. I don't know what's going on. So it's email-based. So when a new client signs up to work with me, um, they fill out an assessment, 60-question assessment. I put together their phase one program within ideally a few days, like at a minimum three days based on that assessment, which includes a training program. How, how advanced are they? Do, are they, is this a, a woman in her fifties who wants to lose some fat and wants, and like is going to work out at home and only has 30 minutes a day because she's very busy? Or is this like some young college student who wants to be in the gym for two hours a day? Like the, the equipment they have available to them, their goals, just taking everything into account and putting together a training program that is applicable for the whole picture of who they are and what they're trying to accomplish. And then a nutrition plan, which for a lot of people means keeping calories in a certain range most of the time, aiming for at least a minimum protein target. And then there are other like customized elements to it. Meal timing, like does some sort of fasting schedule work better for your lifestyle? Does higher meal frequency work for your lifestyle? Cheat days, are you the type of person who's like boom or bust all or nothing and you want a cheat day or a cheat meal or would you rather have like a very small amount of like a little bit of frozen yogurt every day just to kind of get you through the day things like that and then there's an accountability as like there's daily emails and some people take advantage of that and I'm in constant communication with but then once a week there's a weekly update uh, where I send out an update form and just review waste measurements review scale weight and like the feedback that they give on how they're doing, how they're feeling. And we do just a little top down. How's everything going? Do we need to make any adjustments to the plan? And I would say 75, 80% of the time it's we're good moving forward, but sometimes there are like tweaks to the training program or nutrition plan that I need to make. Nice. Uh, so the second part was in terms of just developing this process and figuring out kind of your pacing and sequence to these interactions with the clients. What challenges have you faced or from just a, a communication standpoint, what have you kind of had to hone to provide great service to the clients? Hmm. You know, I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of challenges. I'm, I'm trying to think. So I think one of the things that people value the most is it's the attention. It's my attention. It's frequent and in-depth communication. And so right now, the challenge for me is if I want to continue to grow my business, I'm at the point where I need to look other places other than coaching because currently the first thing I do every day when I wake up is reply to client emails. That's like my MIT most important thing of the day. If I do that, the rest of my day goes better. Like I feel better. I'm delivering on my promise and I'm spending you know, between two and four hours, first thing in the morning, jamming and emailing. And, uh, and so one of the challenges is finding ways to grow my business other than trading my time, other than offering this like service that's just me. But, but like there are a lot of challenges. I've, I've figured out like something interesting I learned about transitioning online. I thought it would be less 
like much less personal because it's not face to face. And in some ways it is less personal than training someone in the gym. But in other ways, the privacy of email is is kind of crazy for what it allows people to communicate about because fitness and struggles in fitness it's not about X's and O's and it's not about eating this chicken at this time. Like there, there are so many psychological and lifestyle issues that go into this and no one wants to talk about an eating disorder in the gym floor with people all around and no one wants to talk about this like divorce that they're going through like in the gym floor. So these are things that in the privacy of your own living room like you can express and, uh, and like get off your chest and, and we can work on. I'm sure there are countless other challenges like like I'm always trying to improve. I'm always trying to give a better service and, and making adjustments on the fly. Yeah, I mean, that's that's very insightful. And that that's a, a great point in terms of kind of the intimacy of a truly one-on-one interaction versus a one-on-one interaction in a, in a more public forum. I think that there is a ton that people can take away from this interview. I'm sure the audience has learned a lot, Mike. Uh, before we tell people how to connect with you in the digital world and issue a personal challenge, is there anything else I just didn't give you a chance to say? No, not really. Can we jump into the personal challenge? Because I, I have some things to say there. Absolutely. Yeah. Before we do that, we're just going to make sure that we tell people how to connect with you in the digital world. Uh, is there somewhere specific that you'd like us to point them towards? I'm big on Snapchat right now. I love like I love face-to-face video interaction. I try to reply to all my snaps, but I'm kind of at a point where like they disappear after a certain amount of time because of storage. But my Snapchat's at Mike Vicanti, and uh, yeah, I love it there. Cool. Well, that will be linked to in the show notes along with Mike's website at goingdeepwithaaron.com slash podcast. Definitely encourage you to check him out on Snapchat. And I also encourage you to tune in as we give him the mic one last time for his personal challenge to the audience. All right. Um, Based on this interview, when I'm thinking about things and I'm thinking about the listener, I go, the most critical decisions that I've made are the ones with uncertain outcomes. And it's so it's so easy to want safety and security and it's easy to not want to jump until you can see where you're landing but it's just it's so huge to follow your gut and intuition when you have that strong feeling even when it's scary and even when you don't know like for me this was clearly like we talked about quitting my job and then working to, I didn't know where I was going to end up but ended up doing something I really enjoy that was gut that was intuition that that wasn't like I knew where I was going to be so whether it's that whether it's work related whether it's like asking out a girl whether it's like anything anything that scares you I encourage you to take a shot at I love it. I think that is the number one way to grow and push yourself outside of your comfort zone. A fantastic challenge and a fantastic conversation, Mike. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it, man. You bet. Thank you. We just went deep with Mike Vacanti. Hope everyone out there has a fantastic day. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Please make sure you hit that subscribe button if you enjoyed today's episode. And if you're looking for another story similar of someone who is trying to make the transition into uh, fitness entrepreneurship, check out episode four with Rob Doolabon, one of the very first episodes we ever did. Rob's a good friend of mine, a fellow teammate on the Pittsburgh Thunderbirds, and shares a similar story. He has some different nuances. Uh, We talk a little bit about his interest in CrossFit as well. So a lot of juicy details there. But thank you so much for listening, and I will catch you next time. Take care.